Hey everybody, this is Jack here, and this is episode 16 of the Off the Beaten Path podcast. Right now, I am walking along a lakeside path in front of Fiwa Lake here in Pokhara, which is a city in Nepal. And yeah, it's been quite a while since my last update, so I have a lot to cover. I've uh, spent some time in Kathmandu here in Pokhara, and I went on a 10-day trek through the Annapurna Conservation Area. So, yeah, lots lots to cover. Um, I thought about doing a podcast before I left for my trek, but uh, just not quite enough had happened. Um, I'd been bouncing around to a lot of cities uh, at the end of my last podcast when I was in the Delhi airport. Um, had crazy layover, spent the night in the airport, um, then... Yeah, made my way up to Kathmandu, the capital of Nepal, uh, the biggest city in Nepal. And it uh, was a really different place than India. Um, it was so fascinating. I, I, I kind of expected it to be more similar to India. Uh, people kept telling me, oh, Nepal's basically North India. But it's really not. Really not. Um, yeah, so... I. You know, I heard stories that Kathmandu is this mega city and it's all polluted and tons of people and just really stressful. But I guess I was grading on the India curve because I got there and I'm like, okay, yeah, there's some traffic. and But it's really laid back compared to a lot of the cities in India. And culturally, I think that's uh, true for Nepal. It's just much more laid back here than in India. Um, you know, there's... Similar language up here to North India, and the Pali is very similar to Hindi. Um, not that I know either of them, but, uh, and, you know, and the foods are a bit similar, uh, but there are some little differences here and there. Oh, man, someone's, someone's singing here. Got some live karaoke going on. Um, yeah, so, so, yeah, it was uh, really a really smooth transition coming to Nepal, and the relaxed mentality in Kathmandu is really what I needed after traveling around so much. So I spent three or four days in Kathmandu when I got there. And I didn't do much of anything. Um, just sort of hung out at my hostel, made some friends there. Um, the day after arriving, actually, there was a big festival going on called Shivratri. Um, I think that's right. Shivratri, yeah. It's a festival for Shiva in um, Hinduism. And so, yeah, I went with some friends to go check that out. It was very interesting. Um, it was this big temple complex in Kathmandu near the airport. We went over there, and because it's a big festival, um, people, they have, I don't know the details of the beliefs, but there was a bunch of cremations going on. There was these big areas where people were being cremated and their ashes were being pushed into the river. Um, that goes into Kathmandu and it's like a funeral procession kind of and all the family and friends are like gathered around they're burning family members in this big pile of wood with their backs turned to them um, I would have loved to understand more about that but I kept a respectful distance as you do um, but yeah it was an interesting thing Shivratri it was a very rainy day in Kathmandu um, so I think that uh, kind of kept the crowds away but I've heard at this temple, some th hundreds of thousands of people come. Uh, but we went later on in the evening, and the rain made it where it was not so crowded. So, uh, yeah, I think, you know, Kathmandu, that was about it. You know, got a SIM card, 
for my cell phone. That was like a big achievement in one day. I was really not had, didn't have many, you know, massive goals in Kathmandu. Eat some good food, um, momos. It was a really nice pizza place that a friend recommended that I tried. Um, yeah, yeah, so Kathmandu was nice. Um, and people were telling me Pokhara is like even more laid back and chill. And so I took a bus after a few days hanging out in Kathmandu over here to Pokhara. Um, Pokhara. I, I want to say that city name really fast for some reason. Um, and yeah, that's, that's where I'm at now. Uh, Pokhara is really chill. Uh, it's, it's even more of everything I just described. I mean, very touristy city, uh, tons of tourists here. Uh, because I think the it's like a launching off point for all the trekking that happens. But a lot of people just come here and hang out. I've met tons of tourists here. A guy from Saudi Arabia who's like, oh yeah, I've been here for three weeks. I just love it here. Um, another person I met from, um, yeah, I, Switzerland, uh, Germans, you know, just the all sorts of people here. And you see a full range of people. I mean... Just walking down the, the lakeside view right now, you can see people that are, you know, just hanging out at the lake, having some beers. A guy just walked past with a 70-liter backpack that looked all stuffed with hiking gear. Um, and all along of where I'm walking are these uh, little food stands and happy hours and, you know, fruits for sale. Uh, so, yeah, really nice, chill lakeside view. Uh, right now, it's a little cloudy in the distance, but you can see three or four layers of rolling hills. And if those clouds would move, you'd be able to see some of the bigger mountain ranges further out. Um, so yeah, really beautiful area with all the Himalayan mountains around. And yeah, just a very chilled, relaxed town. Um, yeah, so when I first arrived... No, thank you. Uh, when I first arrived, I uh, stayed in an Airbnb here just to have my own private space to um, sort out all the things I needed to do for trekking and took a couple days just to chill some more. Again, like I was just enjoying just relaxing after having such a sprint through my last couple weeks in India. Um, but after a couple days, I like, okay, I need to start getting things together for this trek. So um, I made a few friends and asked around uh, some advice around trekking and read a lot online. Just spent like a full day doing research about, okay, where do I want to go? There's actually a lot of different trekking options here. Um, the big one that's close by is called the Annapurna Circuit. And yeah, it's really challenging. 21 days, something like that. And it goes up, I think, to 5,400 meters, around 17,000 feet, 18,000 feet, something like that. So really high up. And um Especially this time of year, late February, early March, it was still very snowy. So I was a little hesitant about, well, that much time just didn't fit in my schedule and wanted something a little more accessible. Um, so after looking at a few options, I, I decided to do this trek called the Annapurna Sanctuary Trek, uh, which is, yeah, just uh, a lot more manageable, especially since I've never done any trekking before. And so, yeah, mapped out where I wanted to go. Um, I'll say more about that in a little bit, and figured out uh, what gear I wanted to get. Um, so yeah, I, I was very happy to have my own space uh, where I could just like, okay, lay out all these, these are the things I want to take, these are the things that I need, and I walked around to all the 
little trekking shops here. Probably spent like two or three hours one day um, during my planning day of just comparing different gear. You know, I didn't have any boots. It gets up there in the mountains, it's like minus 10 Celsius or about 18, 20 Fahrenheit. So I really needed some warm clothes and I really didn't want to buy them because, you know, right after this I'm going to Myanmar and it's already March now, so it was just getting warm. Oh, sorry, sorry. Um, so, yeah, after, after this I don't really need any cold weather clothes, so I rented as much as possible. You know, instead of spending $150, $200 on boots, I found a place I could rent them for $1.50 a day. And for a 10-day trek, that's a lot cheaper, 15 bucks, than, you know, buying them outright. So, yeah, I went around to a lot of different places, and, um, you know, it's funny, you get the shopkeepers, they always, they all want your business immediately. Walk in some places, and I'm like, oh, can I rent boots? And they're like, oh, no one rents boots in this whole city. Uh, you have to buy them. And I'm like, okay, I'll keep looking, and they're like, you know, trying to get me to stay in the store, or whatever, and it's, I have struggled through that for maybe literally 15 different stores, and uh, found a few places that would rent all the things that I wanted. Um, and I found out the more places I went, it was really nice going to more places because I'm like, I learned it's like, oh, crampons, those might be useful to have. Someone else mentioned, oh, do you want some crampons? And I thought about it, I'm like, yeah, that could be useful on the ice. So glad. So I think even just going to all the stores was helpful for figuring out everything that I needed because people were making suggestions, that sort of thing. Um, and, you know, I was thinking of renting the hiking poles, but uh, one person was like, well, you know, you can buy them for 1500 or you can rent them for 100 a day. These are rupees, so uh, rent it for a dollar a day or buy it for $15. I'm like, well, I might as well just buy it, and then afterwards I can do something else with it. Um, so figured out what I wanted to rent, what I wanted to buy. I ended up renting sleeping bag, boots, pants, jacket, and a big 70-liter bag to carry all that in and a lot of my stuff. And yeah, it worked it worked out really well. I think I rented all five of those things for six bucks a day, bought some hiking poles, some warm socks, some thermals, and yeah, the crampons. So that was that was all the gear that I needed. And you know, it was a decent investment, but um definitely all worth it. Uh the only thing I didn't really use was the pants because they didn't quite fit right and I was foolish enough not to try them on. But it all worked out. I had a pair of pants that worked for me. So anyway, so I rented everything, got all my gear together, got it all sorted uh, at my Airbnb. And they let me leave the normal bag that I'm carrying, the normal like 45 liter bag, left that back and took my 70 liter bag, loaded it up. It was pretty full, actually. Um, and at the very top of that, I put my 20 liter day pack that I've been carrying, kind of mostly empty, but kept it in there, which was very handy, it turns out. So, yeah, loaded up all my stuff and decided to uh, to go for this truck. So, um, you know, someone told me in Kathmandu, one of the friends I made at the hostel back there, that you should just do a solo truck. You know, go by yourself. You'll make friends along the way. And that's a little intimidating, especially to someone that's never trekked before. But I decided to go for it because... And it's getting crowded here. Hold on. Um... I decided to go for it since it, a guide is like $50 a day times 10 days. It was just, wow, that's, that's really expensive. Um, you can also rent porters for like, I think 10 or $15 a day. Um, and those, they'll carry your bags for you. But I didn't, I didn't go with any of that. I just paid the 
uh, fee to enter the, the conservation area, which was, it was like two things I had to get. It was like a total of 50 bucks. So it wasn't too bad. Uh, you know, five bucks a day over 10 days. It's not too bad. And yeah, so I just went for it. I did some reading online, uh, found a starting point that made sense for the places I wanted to go and mapped out this route. And I pretty much stuck to it. As a matter of fact, I ended up tacking a little more on at the end. And that was the only real change that I made. Um, so that was, it was pretty cool to make a plan. And it's like, okay, here are my next 10 days. And I'm going to be hiking, you know, 10, 15 kilometers a day. Um, which is like six or seven hours, I think. Yeah, what is that? Like six miles a day? Something like that? Um, yeah, so it was uh, pretty ambitious from, uh, as someone who's never done any trekking before, but I was like, oh, people do it, so I should just try it. And so I uh, bought a taxi to the bus station, took a bus out to this place called Nayapool, which is like a trekking starting point. And just, I was like in the, in the middle of this small little Himalayan village, and it says this way, you know, to the conservation area, and just started walking. Um, and at first, yeah, it was a little intimidating. I'm like, well... I guess I'll just go this way, <laughs> you know. Um, I did meet someone else along the way who was also trekking, this Australian guy named Paul. Um, and so we walked together a little bit, but then I lost him for a little bit. Um, and so, yeah, I just kept going um, and made it to my first location within that, that first day without any problem. That was actually one of my easier days in retrospect. Uh, I, I think I started at 1 p.m. and maybe 5 p.m., uh, this little place, I think it's called Tikadunda or something like that. And, um, yeah, so that was, uh, it was, that, it took a while to get into the rhythm of it. You know, that first night, okay, now I'm at this little village and I heard about these tea shops that you, um, you know, you, you just go and stay there. And I think the first day I got a little, paid a little too much. Um, the dynamic, so you're, you're hiking through this conservation area. And that first day I was just walking through the foothills, kind of along the road. It wasn't really that deep into the mountains or foothills yet. And, uh, yeah, it was, um, because of that, I should have paid a little less, I think. Uh, so how these, these places work, it's like a village and they have, um, if there's a road that comes to it, okay, people just bring in food to the village by road. But a lot of these villages, um... You have to, every day there's porters that supply the village. And by porters, I mean like people who just carry, carry the goods in on their back. Um, sometimes they have horses as well, horses or donkeys. But at some altitudes and places, it's just people. Um, and these guys are tough, tough as nails. Um, you'll see porters that are carrying like two bags of rice, so like 50 kilos, 110 pounds of rice on their back, walking uphill. Uh, in flip-flops and they have a three-hour walk ahead of them and they're just chugging along uh, really impressive and yeah I, everything there's there's a setup for water they've rigged that up um, and I think there's hydroelectric power so you can charge your phone um, and there's wi-fi but you have to pay for it so it's um pretty scant these these tea shops but what's nice is a lot of the places they just make you pay for food um, you don't have to pay for your room. Uh, you're just paying to, uh, the food and that's how they make their profit because they're charging, 
you know, maybe $5 for a meal that costs 50 cents or a dollar to make. So, you know, decent profit that way. So, uh, yeah, I think that first place I ended up paying for my room and the food because I didn't really know what was going on yet. And, um, yeah, I met some people there who were coming down the hill that I was going up. And we ended up staying up till midnight talking. Met some cool people that first night. A couple guys from Sweden and another guy from Germany. And we ended up talking about philosophy and religion and politics. And it was was (laughs) kind of unexpected. Um, uh, staying up till midnight that first night, I ended up sleeping until like 8.30 in the morning, get the latest start of any of my days. Um, so yeah, after that first day, I, uh, I went for, uh, probably my hardest day, actually. I climbed up to uh, this city called Gorapani, and it was really, really tough, because I wasn't in the rhythm yet, I wasn't wearing my backpack properly, in retrospect, like... You know, you're supposed to be able to put all the weight on your hips. And I thought I had it as tight as it would go around my hips, but I didn't realize that it was like a second cinching mechanism. doesn't matter. I, my back was pretty sore because I wasn't, wasn't wearing my bag right, and I had a 1,300-meter climb. So what is that in feet? Maybe 5,000 feet climb? No, 4,000 4, feet climb. Um, yeah, yeah. So I guess 4,500. doesn't matter. Uh, steep steep climb, long climb. I think it was a solid nine-hour day, something like that. And you start the day with, I think it was 3,800 stairs, just straight up. You leave the village and go 3,800 stairs up. And then there's more stairs after that. <laughs> that's, that's what uh, one of the German guys was telling me the night before. It's like, yeah, they tell you about the steep climb. They don't tell you there's more stairs after the steep climb. Then just, it just keeps going because, yeah, it was just so much up that second day. Um, but it was worth it. You know, I could have stopped. There's a couple villages I could have stopped at beforehand, but I really wanted to make it to Gorapani because there's this really beautiful scenic view called Poon Hill that is near Gorapani, and I wanted to wake up early and do the sunrise hike on Poon Hill. So, yeah, I made it to Gorapani, found a place, um, and uh, I think I, I fell asleep at like 7.30 that night or something. I was just dead. Uh, and I needed to wake up at 4 for the sunrise hike, so it worked out well. Um, but yeah, I, I got a good night's sleep there. Oh, and I had some amazing food at that second place. Um, I was seeking... So, I tried this type of bread. Uh, they call it Tibetan bread or um, Gurung bread. It's uh, only it's like a thing they make here in the mountains. I think just in the west, actually. The west side of Nepal. Uh, and, oh my god, so good. It's this type of it's like a fried bread, kind of like puri, Indian puri. Um, I guess some people that don't know what that is, think of just like a fried thin layer of bread. But it's different than puri in that on the inside was this fluffy white bread, and it was incredible. They served it with yak cheese, which is a very sort of like funky, salty cheese, and uh, some over easy eggs, and I was in heaven. It was just so good. Um... Yeah, so I had this after I came back from my Poon Hill hike, and I was like, what is this food? So good. Um, but yeah, I woke up at 4 a.m. for this, this Poon Hill hike, which was really nice. It was actually ended up being tougher than I expected. I'm like, oh, it's just a one-hour hike from from Gorapani, but it's a one-hour hike straight up. I think it's another 300 meters up. Um, so again, just stair after stair, 
and it's pretty icy and slippery so I used my crampons for the first time and they really helped me going up and so made it up to Poon Hill right as the sun was rising and got to see this beautiful range of the Annapurnas um, which are some of the tallest mountains in the world I think three or four of them are over 8,000 meters and for reference I think Everest is 8,800 meters so I mean pretty tall mountains um Oh, I'm just going to sidetrack for a second here. There are paragliders flying all over this lake. So cool. Catching the updrafts and just swinging around. I'll, I'll come back to that. Um, come back to paragliding. Don't let me forget. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, at Poon Hill, it was really, really beautiful. Sunrise. Got to see all the mountains. It's really great. Um, and I met up with Paul again, that Australian guy. We went up there together, actually. Um, took a bunch of pictures, sent some Snapchats off because somehow I had signal up there. And yeah, it was, it was really one of the most beautiful things that I saw in the whole trek. Just the sunrise. Because right as the sun was rising, three minutes later it would be different. Three minutes later it would be different still. I mean, it was, it, the lighting changed so fast and there's so much to look at. All these different peaks, different heights, different distances away with all their features of snow and rock. It was, it was really cool. So, uh, yeah, yeah, so had a beautiful sunrise at Poon Hill. Ended up leaving Paul. He wanted to uh, rest after the tough day and the hike up to Poon Hill, um, which it, it, it all worked out because I met up with some other people, and that was pretty great. Um, yeah, went and had that amazing growing bread and went off for the day, and I thought that it would be an easy day um, just looking on the map. It's like, well, day two was tough, so hopefully day three was will be easier, but... After waking up early and doing Poon Hill, which was a lot harder than I expected, you know, steep and 300 meters up, like I said, I then had a long hike down. I think it was like four or 500 meters, but it was snowy, really, really snowy. And I had my crampons and um, there is a bad feature <laughs> that uh, almost got me with my crampons in that they have... They have these little rings to help hold them in place. So crampons are basically this giant rubber band that goes around your boot, and underneath are these spikes that uh, help you dig into the ice and snow, and they're, the spikes are held to the rubber band by these little chains. And uh, on the side of my boots were these grommets, you know, the, the little hooks that you can loop your shoelaces through that are kind of open on one end, and those would occasionally catch the chains of my crampons and, like, trip me. And so... Uh, yeah, on that third day through the ice and snow, it was kind of like a steep downhill section. There was a couple moments that got a little hairy because my, my ring got caught on there and almost tripped me as I was going down this like rocky, icy, slopey area. But luckily my practice in yoga paid off and I kept my balance. I never fell from that. I fell another time, but never from my crampons getting caught in my boot, even though it was not, not the safest situation. Anyway, yeah, day three ended up being a little longer than expected and um ended up staying the night by myself at uh another one of these tea houses and it was uh, you know pretty chill i was the only one staying at the guest house so it was a little lonely and the people there weren't that friendly and i kind of resolved after that it's like i need to pick i either need to get some friends or stay at places where the hosts are more friendly because they didn't want to talk to me and you know after hiking alone all day it was would have been nice to have a conversation so i'm like well um, I'd like to find some friends. And my, my wish immediately came true the next day. 
Um, and by day four, I was really starting to get in a rhythm with things. Um, waking up in the morning, uh, early, you know, maybe seven, having some breakfast, getting off by 7.30 or 8, hiking for six or seven hours, and then maybe eight hours some days, just depending. And yeah, making it, making it to the next spot, and it's feeling stronger and stronger as the day goes on, um, or as the days go on, rather. Yeah, my back was a little sore, but my legs stopped being sore for the most part. Um, had good walking sticks, and that really helped going up the stairs because you can engage your arms as well. Um, it helps going downhill too because you can brace yourself, and it's easier on the knees. Um, so yeah, after about almost towards the end of my day four hike, I met up with two people. Uh, this guy named Greg and his traveling companion, Novena. And yeah, we really hit it off. Greg's from Australia. Novena is a local Nepali woman, and they're dating and doing this trek together. And they were coming from a different area, and we just happened to meet up uh, because they went through this this route that they didn't mean to, that ended up being tougher for them. But it all worked out because we met each other. Um, so yeah, starting from day four on, we pretty much trekked the whole way together. And it was it was great because having a local, uh, she was able to bargain for the rooms a lot better. And yeah, it ended up being a lot cheaper. Um, and yeah, I got her advice on some food to get at some point. I'll, I'll get to that in a second. Um, yeah, so, so, and it was nice having some travel companions. Greg is an uh, Australian guy who spent a lot of time in the country. So he talked a lot about, you know, as you're hiking, you have the hours and hours to talk. So I learned, learned a lot about the Australian bush and uh, five meter long crocodiles and all these crazy stories. Um, and yeah, from Novena, hearing about local Nepali life, it was really cool as well. So in addition to having all these incredible views and crystal clear water, you know, rolling beside us with waterfalls, I, I should say as by day four and day five, we were, I was working from Poon Hill, which was kind of like my first peak. And that was around 3,300 meters, um, up to the, the big goal of the trip, which was Annapurna base camp. And that's where, uh, Greg and Novena were going as well. Um, so a lot more uphill, uh, spread out over multiple days. I'd never had a day as much uphill in a single day as I did on, on day two, but still like a solid six or 700 meters every day. And it's not always straight up, which is a little, can sap the motivation a little bit. You go down and then you go up and then you go down again. And you you know, you, you know, you're supposed to gain 300 meters before the next town, but you just went down 50 meters. So now you need to gain 350, you know, um, but like I said, I was feeling strong and just took it step by step. You know, I stopped looking up and thinking, oh, I got so far to go. Just one step at a time. Really got in a rhythm with it, you know, with your breathing. Just keep moving. Even if it's at a slow pace, just keep moving, keep moving. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was really nice. Um, and yeah, having traveling companions, we would stop. We had a ton of tea. <laughs> they would stop and want some milk tea. And I got in the habit of, yeah, anytime we would stop, I was like, all right, yeah, let's have a milk tea. I think there was... Um, some days we would have two or three of these milk teas and then other day I think we had five, you know, just like <laughs> stopping all over the place. It's, it's basically just, um, black tea with milk instead of water. Really good. Um, add a little sugar to it. So yeah, uh, I think I was having gurung bread every day. Now, it was never quite as good as that first time I had it. You know, the recipe is always a little different between these tea houses. And, uh, yeah, splurged and paid for a hot shower one day. It's like two or 300 rupees and, uh, got Wi-Fi sometimes. That's another 300 rupees, $3, you know, 
but overall it's pretty cheap to stay at these places. You know, you'd pay $7 for dinner, $5 for breakfast, and maybe some extra amenities, which isn't too bad. You know, it's pretty good profit for them, um, but not too expensive. So yeah, we were staying at these places and working our way up the, the big hill. And as you go up further and further, it starts to get snowier and snowier, and you need to put the crampons on. Um, yeah, up there towards the top, there was a dangerous section, actually, where one month earlier, back in January, an avalanche killed a group of people. Um, so we were really wary about this section going up. You know, I was hearing some really mixed things. Some people were saying, oh, we can't go up there at all. Other people were saying, yeah, it's fine. And we kind of came to the conclusion, it's like, well, let's get up there and see what the people at the spot actually say. And once we got up to the... We, we went up as far as we could right before this avalanche section and spent the night at this little village called Himalaya and asked the people there. And they said, you know, as long as you leave early in the morning, you're safe to go because how it works is, you know, it's cold at night and that freezes over everything. And it's only in the sun of the day that things start to melt and you have the risk of these landslides or avalanches. So that's what we did. We woke up at six in the morning the next day from Himalaya and just went for it and went all the way up past the dangerous area to the, um, uh, I think it's Machapuche Base Camp. Uh, we always called it MBC, uh, the first big base camp. And wow, you know, making it through the portion that was dangerous, that wasn't sure we were going to make it through. What a relief. Um, really excited to get up there. And we decided to spend two days up there. Uh, what, the only time I stayed in a place for two days in a row. And yeah, that first day we got up there, we just chilled, relaxed, because we got in such an early start at 6, I think we got up there at like 1 or 2 p.m., and you know, it was beautiful and clear, this incredible view, like 360 degree view of all these mountains, you're hiking up through, along this ridge, through this big valley of all these massive mountains, and yeah, it was really tough climb actually, past the avalanche section, there was just a really steep, snowy climb, had to put the crampons on and just power through, um, I put on sunblock, but I got sunburn still because of the altitude. And turns out snow reflects like 90% of UV light. So it's like more UV and it's double from the snow. So yeah, really intense sun. Um, yeah, I made it up to NBC and chilled there for the day. Just felt so great to have made it because our plan was to go up to NBC, leave the big packs and just take a small day pack to the the highest point, the destination, ABC, and just come back for the day. So, yeah, we did that the following morning, made it up to Annapurna Base Camp, ABC, and, yeah, reached the, the main goal, 4,100 meters, 4,130 or something like that. So, really cool to have accomplished that and make it and uh, make it through all the avalanche worries and all that. And, yeah, there was only, like, two hours to get up there, hung out for an hour or so, then came back and then had another full day just to chill, relax, took a nap. You know, it was it was really nice having a day off after so much intense labor all every day for seven or eight days. So, yeah, then we, then we made it out of there pretty quick. Um, coming down the hill, I keep calling it the hill, the mountain, <laughs> uh, the, the, the same route we came up. I think we went from 4,100, or, yeah, what was NBC was at 3,700 and we came all the way down to like 2,200 in one day we basically covered what took us two days going up took us one day coming down and we actually stayed at the place we stayed at a few days earlier because we really liked the chicken dalbat there um dalbat is this I think I had dalbat for dinner maybe six or seven times it's like 
the thing to eat up here. Dal means lentils and bat means rice, so it's lentils rice. But it's served with extra vegetables and, so, and you can get chicken on the side as well. And they'll just keep refilling all the veggies and rice until you're full. And after hiking so much, I could eat an absurd amount. My appetite was crazy. Um, so yeah, we really liked the Dalbot there and the lady was really nice. We came back to the same spot. And uh, yeah, I did one more hike day after that a different route than what we came in to come out in a different area and we spent one last night after that and uh got to try this new dish that novena recommended to me called dido uh it's only a nepali dish and it's basically um mullet flour that's been turned into this paste so it's like this thick black paste it looks like uh refried black beans or something and you, of course you eat with your hands. You take, you take a bit of this mullet paste and you dip it into the dal or dip it with some vegetables and add some salt or some pickles, some Nepali pickle, this like radish, uh, funky radish stuff. And you eat it all with your hands. Oh, so good. A really interesting dish. Never had anything like that before. Um, so it was cool to have her recommendation and uh, try that. So... Yeah, after, uh, after that, we, we talked about spending one more night there, but we just ended up uh, walking a little further and going all the way out that following day and caught a bus, bus out. So, yeah, really incredible time in the mountains, um, hiking between all these little villages. It's, it's a really different way of life up there. You know, so many animals, goats, chickens, and um, I saw two oxen pulling a plow. You know, I've, I've seen that in textbooks in history school of, you know, like how agriculture was developed. But no, I mean, it's it's really how it works out here. You know, two oxen pulling a plow. They use the cow dung to fertilize the fields. Agriculture is a huge, it's the biggest industry up there. Um, so, yeah, it was really interesting just to see that different way of life. And, you know, it's a, a little contaminated by the tourism industry and modernity, but met some really li- nice local people. Um for the most part, especially after meeting up with Novena and, you know, her helping us finding the, the good spot. So it was really nice. Um, so yeah, uh, really enjoyed my time trekking and I, I want to do it again one day, I think, uh, no time soon to give myself a little break, but yeah, it was a really special experience and I, I'd love to do, maybe do that full circuit one day, the 21 day trek or, a different track somewhere else in the world who knows but um really cool experience so yes yeah, since i've been back in Bukhara, uh made such good friends with greg and novena i'm actually staying at their place and uh yeah i've been living like a local it's been really nice um i've been uh, novena wanted me to teach her how to cook pork so last night we cooked together and we're cooking together again tonight um mentioned that in India I showed a couple people how to make fried chicken and they're like oh I want to do that so I'm officially the uh the salesperson for fried chicken here in South India teaching how to make it I should start a business so yeah we're gonna make fried chicken tonight um yesterday I treated myself to a massage had a really relaxing day did some laundry uh returned all my rental gear so yeah just have a few chill days here in Pokhara um just had lunch with Greg and Novena at this amazing little shop that uh, we met this English guy while we were trekking and he's like, oh, in Pokhara, there's this really great non house. It's like great North Indian food. And so we went there to go check it out. And it was like, I think $4 a person, $3 a person for this amazing non and curry and spring rolls that are freshly made. 
um, really interesting North Indian Chinese fusion going on. So yeah, uh, it's, it's been a nice few days. It's been chilling with Greg and Novena. And yeah, tomorrow there's a big Hindu festival called Holi, uh, where people throw color on each other and all this stuff. So I think I'll participate in that. And yeah, uh, after this, I, I should go ahead and tell my plans for the next few days because it's going to be a while before I do another podcast. Um, I'm going to go back to Kathmandu in a couple days and vo- do some volunteer teaching. Hope that still works out uh, at a local school. Um, try and get him excited about learning, teach him a little bit about my life and chemical engineering. You know, just it's a six to twelve year old, so just at a very basic level. But uh, the big goal is just to get them excited about learning and science and. Yeah, I thought that'd be a cool way to volunteer. And after that, um, I guess six days from today, I'm going on a 10-day Vipassana meditation retreat. I think I've mentioned this before. Um, so I guess the next podcast will be after that. And yeah, it's uh, it's coming up, this, this meditation retreat. And I, I really like the symmetry of this 10-day physical, you know, kind of one of the toughest physical challenges I've ever taken on for 10 days, followed shortly by this 10-day mental challenge of, you know, sitting still for nine hours a day, just focusing on your breath. It'll be it'll be an interesting parallel, uh, but I feel excited and ready to go for it and uh, confident that I can take it on and um, stick with it, even when it's hard. So, yeah, yeah, feeling, feeling really good after this trek. It's got me in a good headspace, so... Yeah, I think with that, I'm pretty much caught up. Um, I'm sitting by the lakeside still here, and I think I'm going to go do some yoga here in a little bit. Yeah, the yoga class is in about 45 minutes. And yeah, run a few other errands today, and that's that's about it. So with that, I guess I'll wrap it up, and uh, see you guys in the next one. See ya.